Morning. Great to see you. Welcome. So good to see you all. Excellent. Elona, many, many people here won't know much about Albania. Maybe the only stuff that we see on Albania these days is the bad things with Hollywood movies like Taken and things like that. And the crooks all seem to be Albanian these days <laughs> in a lot of these films. But tell us a little bit about the country uh, and a little bit about your perspective of Albania. Yeah, when, when you meet any Albanian, I want you to know where we come from, not just as a location in geography and in the, in the map, but also uh, we have had in our country like the harshest communism in the world and for about 50 years we were isolated in our country and also we didn't have any kind of freedom to believe in God or even mention the name of God. So for 50 years under the communism, we were raised up and brainwashed that Albania was like the best country in the world and everyone wanted to conquer our land because we had the best resources in the world. And the, the first moment when communism fell down, we were so devastated that we were so much deceived that it was not as we were uh, told to be, you know, so we were not the best country in the world and we were so poor, we were even starving for food. So uh, being 50 years under the communism and not having God for 50 years, we really know what it means to know God and to meet God. So uh, in 1991, uh, Albania had democracy and uh, the doors were open and Christianity and many missionaries from uh, outside Albania, they came to preach the gospel and we had a revival in those days and we are so thankful to God for every missionary and everyone that has prayed for Albania and even everyone today that is investing in not just in the people in Albania, but also Albanian people out of Albania. So I know there are many of them. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. So, so you, you um, were brought up in a Christian home, correct? Uh, no. No, okay. Can you tell us about your family then? <laughs> yeah, uh, so I was 12 when I uh, gave my life to Jesus. So till, my, the, uh, till I, I was 12, I, I never heard about God, you know, because it was communism. Uh, my family background is uh, a Greek Orthodox uh, uh, religion, but uh, when I was 12, my oldest sister, she was in university, she received Jesus while she was in a Bible school in Tirana, and then when she came back in the summer holiday, uh, she preached Jesus to all of us, and the first moment I heard that there was a God, there was someone bigger than us, and more powerful than us. So I just gave my life to Jesus when I was 12. And then uh, since then, I am running the race. Okay. Uh. So you met Tani. You were young. Mm -hmm. uh, you started dating. Eventually, yeah. you got married. And you moved up to Skodra. Mm -hmm. Because you were from Vlora in the yeah. south, right? You moved up yeah. to Skodra in the north. Um, and then the blood feud mm -hmm. happened later yeah. on. Um, just tell us a little bit about yeah. the blood feud. Give us a little bit of a context yeah. for, for, for the blood feud. Okay. So uh, I was married at the age of 18 and uh, we were pastoring the church in the north of Albania. And while we were pastoring, we uh, came across so many people that they were suffering because of this phenomenon that I never heard before. The only time I heard about the blood feud was when I wanted to marry my husband. My dad would say to me, what about blood feud? Uh, and I would say, like, Tani is a nice man, dad. And what is going to happen is he's not going to do something. And um, then he, he asked me, what about his uncles? And to me, it was like, uh, why can you suffer something that someone else is doing? So we live 
in a 21st century, so these things doesn't happen. And um, so when we were meeting uh, all these people, to me it was very strange that people will come in the church to beg for food. Because coming from the south, we were taught that you need to fight for your food, you need to work hard, and you need to provide yourself uh, the, the needs of your family. And uh, it was one day that I, I met uh, a woman that once came to the church, she begged for food, and I said, we are a church, we are not a food bank. And I feel so sorry about that, you know, because it's like when you don't understand the background that people come from, we are so quick to answer and we are so quick to judge out of the appearance. We don't know the whole story. So I, I met her in the street. She was all, all in black and I said, what has happened? And she answered me. She said, they killed my husband going from the bedroom to the kitchen in the corridor of, of my house. And he was killed because of, of a crime that his brother did. And that moment I understood that this was serious. This was not something played off or just on the media, but this was a serious phenomenon. And um, after, after this, um, you know, I, let, let me explain what blood feud is in Albania. So if you think that it is a Muslim community originated phenomenon, it is not. And this is the piteous thing because it comes from the, the origin is in the Catholic religion, Catholic communities in the north of Albania. It is only located in the north of Albania and it is a 500 years old phenomenon from the time that the Turks came to conquer our land. They forced people to change religion from Christian to Muslim. The one who did, they lived in the cities. The one that didn't, they were hiding into the mountains and they built their own communities there and they started to make, uh, to govern themselves. So they made the law that it is based in the Old Testament that it says an eye for an eye. So, uh, and out of this law, the, the blood feud canon says like, if someone of your family kills someone of my family, all the men of your family in six generations, they have to wow. be present in the house because all the men of my family will try to take revenge in any man of your family. It doesn't matter if he has done something. The only thing that matters is to be a man, so a male, not a woman, and also to be in the same bloodline with the, the first killer, the, the first person that started killing. And the, the strategy of it is... Out of all these men, they try to choose the youngest and the best of the whole family because they want to cause the deepest pain. Wow. Wow. So into all that, because I know it's a very long story, yeah. but into all of that, uh, Tani's uncle did something. Mm -hmm. And because Tani didn't have any children, the blood feud the uncle. became the uncle. Mm. It, it, it became to Tani. And so yeah. you and Tani and the, the family were caught up in that. Yeah. And then on the 8th of October, mm. seven years ago, what happened? Yeah. Um, for four years in the beginning, we were present in the house uh, because of this. Uh, when, when Tani's uncle killed this guy in an arguing, 25 men of Tani's family, including my son Gabriel at the age of four, they were all, all present in the house because any one of them would be killed. And uh, after all this, you know, four years that Tani was present in the house, uh, he heard it so strong from God that this was time to go out and to serve God. And on 8th of October, after one year of being every day out, uh, he was killed. The, the brother of the first victim was waiting for him when he came out of the church. And he shooted him and sent him to be with the Lord. Uh, yeah. 
What can I say? <laughs> there are no words to, <laughs> to describe the thing, you know, but uh, when all this happened, the, the first thing and the first prayer to, that I, I did to God was like, God put an angel in my mouth that I will never speak against you in all this situation. Mm -hmm. You know, wow. because we are flesh and blood, and when something like this happens, you, you face death. You know, and it's like, especially where, I don't know if any one of you here has lost a partner, but when you lose a partner, it is like half of your being is torn apart. Mm -hmm. And you have remained like a disabled person in the other side of the earth, you know. So I, I prayed God this prayer, and I remember that the only name I found strength is Jesus. And when I say this, I, for the people that don't know Jesus here in this place, I want to say to you that I'm not brainwashed. Mm. You know, I have experienced the power mm. and the strength that you can find in the name of Jesus. Mm. You know, the verse that God says in the Bible, be strong and courageous because the Lord goes before you. He is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Yeah. This was so true in my life, you know. And it was difficult for the first three days because I had a kind of battle inside of my being. In my mind, I was listening to the voice of Satan saying me that I was the killer because I read so many stories that if the, the man that has to be killed, if he's accompanied with his wife or children, they will not kill him because if they see this, what has happened, they will never forgive. And to me, for these three days, I, I was condemning myself and it was a fight in my mind that I was the person that killed my husband because I was not there with him. And uh, if I would be there, then he would be alive. Until Sunday morning, Tani was killed on Friday, and Sunday morning, God came. He was there, but he spoke to me, and he said, like, I, I was there, mm -hmm. you know? And this, this kind of statement and this kind of truth gives you the confidence that if someone bigger than you and greater than you and higher than you was there, then who are you? You know, it's like, who are you to condemn yourself or to accuse yourself if, if God was there? And, and the, the good thing of that was, like, God said to me, I was not just there watching what has happened, but I was active there. When my sister said, here we need to be available, availability mm -hmm. is, you know, when, when someone wants to put an action or do something to you, you take, you are available. And God was available when this happened. God was there and he said to me, I saw everything and I felt everything. And wow. this meant to me a lot, you know, yeah. that God feels yeah. our pain. Yeah. And to me, it was like, God, did you feel the pain of my husband? Was it yeah. painful? You know, and we make all this question. But this kind of statement that God was there and he was active there gave me the peace yeah. that passes all understanding. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. And one final question. Mm. Obviously, the last seven years, uh, life has changed for you. You took on leading the church in a very male-dominated world, uh, yeah. which is amazing and well done for you for doing that. But also, you, your church is helping other families in the blood feud. And also, yeah. you're fighting a national battle as well mm -hmm. against the government. So just give us a little bit uh, yeah. about what you're doing for other families that are, yeah. were in a situation that you were in mm -hmm. uh, and how you're bringing you know, the light and the life of Christ yeah. into that. Let me say this first. Nothing that happens in your life is an accident. Mm -hmm. 
So if you think like things that are happening are because of what you have done or what others have done and there are accidents happening, nothing is an accident. And if you see things happening in your life with this kind of filters, you will know how to deal and how to come stronger out of these situations. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, was, I was anointed and appointed as a pastor of the church only 40 days after my husband was killed. Wow. And in, the, in that time, I was like, I was helpless for myself and my children. Mm -hmm. And what can you do for the church then? And you know, going further and deeper, God said to me, like, this year is not your year to grieve. It's the church year to grieve because church is younger and smaller than you. So they have to grieve and you have to wait. And you know, out of all this, is like, okay, you don't understand things, but you know that this is the right thing to do and you just do that. And the moment my husband was killed, he had his, in his uh, bag uh, a project idea against Bloodfield. And we got that. And this was like a flame to us, like a torch that was passed from a generation to the other. And we founded a foundation that is called No Bloodfield, Yes to Life. And we are working with more than 50 families that are present in the house because of the Bloodfield. And there are another 100 families that are in very bad conditions and very poor. And God is using us because we are, have, uh, we are happen, having opening doors because of what has happened, you know. Mm. So the stories and the testimonies of our lives are as an inheritance that we carry and they are precious, you know. Mm. When we do nothing but just bury these talents and this inheritance that we have taken from other generations, is like just losing even their lives, you know. So mm. to me, it was like if my husband was killed and if if his life was cut at the age of 34 in the best time of his life you know before of that time we were fighting with poverty in our family you know we were young family fighting how to have a, a house have food have clothes and all this and at the moment we said okay now we can enjoy life you know the life was cut it you know yeah. and you say like why all this happening you know but then when when you see all this with this other perspective you come to uh, and you, you come to realize that God can use you as a tool to help mm. other families and all these opening doors are, are because of our obedience and mm. also of what of Tani's obedience you know yeah. to me yeah. the best thing and the best inheritance that my husband left to me is the inheritance and the testimony we will go in these families men from the mountains they will sit down and they will say like the only woman i will listen in all the world will be you and in in this kind of community women are considered to be things that carry things they are not even allowed to be in in, in the in the, the same room with men you know in, in the rural areas but we have open doors to share jesus with them and to share hope you know because in situations like this you know, the, the worst thing of these families carrying over themselves is the lack of hope. And if a person loses hope, yeah. he can lose everything else. Yeah. Alona, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah. I know all of this is true because I've sat in rooms with you, yeah. with people that have been in the blood feud. The first yeah. house that Alona ever took me to, uh, two weeks before the son had been shot with machine gun about 60 times with bullet holes everywhere. It's like, and I sat in the garden and the, the father was crying and he was looking at Alona saying, how can you forgive the people that killed your husband? Mm -hmm. And then I sat there and listened to Alona t talk about the love of Jesus and what God had done for her. Just absolutely mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. Nothing takes away the pain, yeah. 
But I guess the redemptive side of it yeah. is that what's happened to you now, you're, you know, you're helping others who are in that yeah. situation. Alona, we, we want to hear from you. We've already heard from you, but we want to hear more from you. So I'm going to just pray for Alona, and then she's going to share from the Word uh, of God to us. Father, we thank you. Lord, for Alona, we thank you, God, for your call on her life, Lord. We thank you for her availability. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for her sacrifice and her willingness, Lord, to, to lay down her life for you and for others as well. God, we really pray that as she speaks to us, Lord, that this will be your words that we're here, not just hers and not just her story, but your words from your heart. Lord, all of us have got stuff in our life. We've all got pain. We've all got uh, difficulty, Lord, but God, you are the God of redemption. You can take that, which the devil means for harm, and you can turn it for good. And Lord, you can make us stronger, Lord, even through those things that would seek to make us weaker. Lord, I pray now that as we listen to your voice through Alona, God, would we hear your voice and can we receive it today? Lord, I really pray if there's anybody here this morning and Lord, uh, right now they're crying out for you to speak into their life. God, thank you that you are able, you are the resurrection and the life. Would you speak your words through Alona into our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah, my, my prayer would be like the theme of this meeting, coming out of this room stronger and not weaker. And I would want and would love that you will not see only the, the tragedy that has happened in my life and all this dark part, but I want you to see Jesus in everything, in, in, in every step. And I, I would say to you, like, if Jesus would not be present in in the valley of death, how he promises, I would not be here today, or even being able to speak, or, or even allowing God to be God in, in all his ways, you know, and uh, I want to, to speak about a story happening to Jesus in Luke verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 11, there is a story of two crowds, you know, there was Jesus entering the, the city of Nain, and together with Jesus, there were disciples and a big crowd with Jesus. And in the gate of this city, there was another crowd. There was a widow with her son that has died. And they were having the funeral of this man with the big crowd from the city. And mainly the crowd from the city was there because they were feeling compassion and they were sorry for the widow that lost even her son. And before this, death has knocked in her door and also took her husband too. And while we see these two crowds, I want you to imagine yourself in one of the crowds. So the first crowd has the source of life in her midst. And the second crowd has the cause of death. You know, a coffin with a dead man in, in her midst. And two crowds, they meet together and suddenly they stop. You know, I want you to see it. Not just physically, but even spiritually. Death and life meet together and stop. And it was not death taking action toward life when they stopped, but it was life taking action toward death. You know, Jesus stopped and Jesus saw the widow. And in the word of God says, he had compassion for her. Jesus had compassion for her. Do you know that the Father feels what we feel? You know, 
as, as I shared before, what gave me the peace, it was that the Father can fill your heart. And sometimes you feel yourself alone, but you are never alone. When you have Jesus in your life, you are never alone. He feels what you feel. He feels the pain in the same depth as you do. And it says here, Jesus felt compassion for this woman. And he stopped and he said to the woman, do not cry. Do not cry. And in our human reasoning, we would say like tears are good in these situations. You know, and it's okay to cry. And Jesus was not happening with this lady only empty words, but he was an active life source. He was an active man and son of God. He stops and he touches the coffin where the man was dead. And all the crowd stopped. And imagine for a moment, what were they thinking when they stopped? Some of them would have thought like, oh, this crazy man is stopping all our organized funeral. We wanted to make it look nice. That this mother will be at least, will be better that the death of her son or the funeral went well. You know, we fall in these traps. And it reminds me just in this moment, even in this seventh memorial that we were having for my husband, I went in a flower shop and I was trying to choose the best flower bouquet to put it in the grave. And in, in a moment I said like, but he's not here. But we fall so much into these traps. And God spoke to me so strong through a word that Moody once said that we are not people living in the land of the living, going to the land of the dead, but we are people living in the land of the dead, going and trying to go in the land of the living. And I was in the, his grave. God was speaking to me this. We are going to the land of the living. And this mother with this son, you know, and people around, some of others would say like, oh, don't touch the coffin because we'll, you will become unclean. In the Jewish culture, you would not touch a dead body because ceremonially you become unclean. But Jesus never becomes unclean. He cleans what he touches. It's the other way around. The, the things that he touches do not make him dirty, but he cleans the things that he touches. So everything that you will allow him to touch in your life, he will make it clean. There is nothing dirty enough or there is nothing that he cannot clean. No sin, no wrongdoing, no mistake that he will not touch and make it clean. So he touched the coffin and he said to the guy, wake up, arise. And he stood up. And he was given to his mother. You know, this story 
is amazing and powerful of the victory of life over death. And I don't know in which part you have placed yourself in the story. Which crowd are you? Are you in the crowd having in your midst the source of life? Or are you in the crowd doing the funeral of the dead things in your life? You know, this is not time to bury. This is not time to quit. This is not time to give up. You just need to stand and God will fight for you. It's just a need of standing because the battle is not ours. But why do we quit? Why do we give up? What are the reasons that we become so devastated when different things happening in our life, losing a job, losing a relationship, or having a sickness in your life, or whatever this dead thing is in your life, why do we have this kind of behaving towards things that happening in life? You know, this is life. One of the things is that we have wrong expectations. Or better, I would say first, we, we have wrong focus. You know, that mother, that widow, she was devastated because now all her hopes, dreams and future was burying with her son. Her son was the only hope that she had. At that time, at that tradition, widows, we would look down and they would be looked with compassion and we will be looked to, to be help from the society. And her only hope will be the charity of other people. Because all her hope, future and dreams were on her son. And now his son is taking everything together in the grave. And so often, we have the wrong focus. So often, we keep our eyes to people, to our jobs, to our finances, to our materials, to our abilities, to our gifts, intellectual, or anything. We keep our eyes to them. And this is why we get disappointed. You know, we are disappointed from partners, children, Pastors, leaders, but do you want me to say one truth? They are all human beings, flesh and blood. You are disappointed, but also you disappoint other people. So this is how it goes. If you are a perfect creature, you will not be sitting here with us. <laughs> and not even in the church. The church is the place of the very imperfect people. This is why we need church. This is why we need to come together. Because here we have the source of cleaning and making us perfect. The source of life and the grace. The grace of God that heals us. God revealed me once, it is only a month ago, that a church is a hospital having a medicine, the grace of God. And the church without this medicine will be a prison. 
will be a prison without grace of God. Because the first imperfect person will enter this room. We will be the first one pointing the finger and saying, who? Who is she or he coming here and start judging people just with what we see, not knowing from where they come from and what they've gone through. So the church is the place of imperfect people finding grace in this place and having this as a hospital to heal up and to follow Jesus. We have the wrong focus. We focus on people. But remember, you disappoint others and others disappoint you. This is how it is. I have disappointed so many people. And of course, that I wait to be disappointed. I'm expecting to. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says like we are running our race, fixing our eyes upon Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our salvation. So the salvation of that woman was her son. But Jesus was merciful. She didn't beg for help. She didn't pray. She didn't do anything. There was grace. Grace and compassion from the Son of God. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. He's the only person that will never let you down. Whatever and how deep you will go, it doesn't matter in which place you are, dark as the place, he will shine brighter. If you go deeper, his grace will be bigger than will reach you wherever you are. So fix your eyes upon Jesus, not on anything else. One of the other things we get disappointed is wrong expectations. You know, let me say you this. We are waiting for the life to be a playground. But you know, life is a battlefield. And imagine if you wake up in the morning and you said, oh, I'm going out in a playground. Not taking your kids, you are playing yourself. You are a kid. <laughs> you know, imagine yourself as a daughter of God going out, living life and playing in a playground. What are you going to put on? Not dress. You are going to put on some sneakers and some comfortable clothes and you are going out to play. And then you step out and you see that there is a battlefield. So what are you going to do? You will run back or you will be defeated because you don't have the right expectation and you don't have the right clothing. You don't have the right motivation, you know, so and you have not the right preparation of going out. So when you change your filters of how you see the life, it will be different. You will not start to complain all the time. You know, you will not say, oh, this, this playground is wet and this is wet. No, you will put on the armor of God and you will be able and ready that whatever it happens out there, you will stand. You know, and sometimes only standing is a victory. You know, we, we, are, we expect from ourselves to move forward 
and somehow to attack and to go and to run a little further. But you know, God has promised us that he has given us victory through Jesus Christ. And the church of God, it has to go from glory to glory. And we see this as human beings, as something progressive, that we move even with ourselves, but sometimes even standing firm is progressive. You know, because what Satan has done against you, he meant to throw you down. But standing there is a victory. And wherever you stand, the glory of God stands upon you. And as the, the, the word of God says, he's, the battle is his. The glory of God around you and the angel of God, the angels of God will do your battle when you stand firm. So please change your way how you see life. You will not get disappointed when you see life as a battlefield and you are a soldier. And you will say like, but we are called for peace. Yes, you are a soldier of peace. And peace, it is found only in Jesus you are not a soldier of that kind of peace that the world speaks. Co-living together and having the same God, the same ideas, the same, the same, everyone is right. No, no. We, in this kind of way, I'm sorry to say it. I'm from Albania, I can say it. Praise God. <laughs> we try to be politically correct or religiously correct or ethically correct, but we can't. Because the only peace that Jesus speaks, Jesus says in John 16, 33, I shared this last time I was here. He said, I'm telling you these things, that in me you may find peace. In this world, you will have tribulations, but be of good courage because I have overcome the world. So peace is found only in Jesus. And if you are going to say this outside, you will not have peace. And you will not be considered as a soldier of peace. But this is the peace we are talking about. So it is a battlefield. It is a run of a race. It is not a playground. And this is why we get disappointed. And the third thing why we get disappointed is that we have a wrong approach to problems when they come to us. The wrong questions. You know, when many things happen to us, the first question will be, why? Why me? Why my children? Why Tani, who was a good man? Why? You know, and sometimes it is not a good idea to know why. You can say why, but God knows that better. And if you trust God, as the good father, you trust him even with your wives. You trust him even with your wives. The difficulties you will go through, they will destroy you or they will develop you. It is your choice. They will destroy you or defeat you or develop you. It's your choice. It's not God's. And you say, why? What I understood in my life in these last seven years, 
I never asked God why, but my son did. So when I said to Gabriel that this has happened to your daddy, daddy has gone in heaven. He got the Bible and he said to me, mom, God has promised us that he will protect us wherever you go. And why he didn't protect my daddy? The moment that Tani was killed, 24 other men of his family were free out. Because blood was paid with blood. And it was our turn to take revenge. One week before Tani was killed, he had a coffee with his brother and he asked him to promise that if he will be killed because of the blood feud, they will forgive his blood. So we forgave his blood. And 24 other men were free at that moment. And I said to Gabriel, Gabriel, if not daddy, there will be all these other men that they don't know Jesus. They would go in hell if one of them would be killed. And Gabriel said to me, mom, I don't care. I want my daddy. I don't care for the other people. They were uncles that we even didn't know them. And then he said to me, why not Uncle Pauline? It was Tani's brother. And he was a Christian. He is a Christian man. He said, why not him? Because if he would be killed, he would be in heaven. And then he said, he has got only one son. We are two children without daddy. So what can you explain a child with questions like this? And I said, Gabriel, I don't know. I don't know. And I know something that one day we will see daddy again. And what day we will be face to face with God. And at that day we will ask God why. But as long as we live in this earth, Jesus is the answer. And what I found out, my sisters, is that while you obey God in whatever circumstances, while you obey, your wives are left behind you and are not anymore important. Because God will show you even sometimes he's ununderstandable, unreasonable. God shows you all the story. We are not called to say, why God? We are called to say, God, yes. This is our duty. This is our response to anything in life. And when we say, God, yes, your wives are unimportant. So not called to understand, called to obey. Do not have the wrong approach to the difficulty. Do not try to understand. My sisters, this is life. This is life. If you want to understand, this is life. Yeah, but I'm suffering. This is life. Who told you that you will not? Who told you that everything will be fine? You know, in, in, in the word of God, I have got. Jesus said, you will have tribulations in James it says consider a great joy when you go through trials it doesn't says if you go but it says when you go through trials and it's amazing how it continues because it says trials will make and and create in you patience and patience 
will make you perfect, lacking nothing. So God makes that everything that is happening to you will be good for your perfection. So if we see the big picture, we will have a different approach. This mother had a beautiful story because her son was turned to life. But let me say you this. Her son died again. Lazarus died again. The daughter of Jairus died again. They are not living today. So this is why we are in a land of the dying, going to the land of the living. Because we have got the source of life with us. And if you are not here today, if you are here today and you don't have this source of life, please don't go out of this place without having him. Please do it for yourself and try it. Just try it once. Give God a chance. And he will show you what kind of God he is. There is nothing bigger than death that people fear in this life. But when you have the source of life, there is nothing to fear in the life. You know, I had the, the privilege of witness, witnessing for one year a man going every day outside knowing that he would be killed and again going out not fearing death. So to me, watching my husband going out every day and not caring that someone wanted him dead, it was a testimony. But testimonies comes out of tests. They don't come in a nice environment, comfortable place, no. So if you are going into something difficult at this moment, ask God, what do you want to create in me out of this? Do the right questions. And you know, find something that will bring joy in your life. I've shared this last time, but I'm, I'm really pushed to share this again. You know, pain creates in you energy and power inside of you. And it is not negative or positive. Or do you know people say like hate from love is only a fine line that separates them. And do you know what is? It's the channel how you bring it out. <laughs> Even pain creates in you this power and energy so the way how you take it out will determine if it is love or hate joy or angry or happiness or whatever you know it is you that decide if pain has caused you something inside of you that is bigger than you you have to take it out and take it out with the right channels. In the word of God says, Romans 17, it says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. These things are found in the Holy Spirit. And you take righteousness, peace, and joy for yourself and out of yourself. And my sisters, you are not called only to have life for yourself, but to give life, to bring life to other people. It's not just a matter of us. You are part of the story. You are a part of the big story. And you are called to carry life and to bring life to people that don't have life. Righteousness, peace, joy in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know, this has helped me in my valley time. That I would invest all the pain and the power and the energy that the pain has cost me. I will invest to other people that are suffering the same thing that I suffered. How can you forget what is happening to you? To you? If you are fighting with cancer, you will never go without speaking to a woman if you know she's fighting with the same thing you fought and you were victorious. You will want to help people because we are creating to relate and to help each other. We are created to do this. So for me, finding this way of finding joy while I give out, it has made me a channel of taking and being dependent of God every moment of my life and I want to show you here with this video can we have the video what is the source and what is my joy what I found for my joy do we have the Can you see joy in there? There is much joy. And when these people, we met them for the first time, you could see that they didn't have hope. And in all these photos, they were laughing and smiling. And people like this, to have this face is a miracle. People that are suffering death. And people that know that every day, it must be different for them because they never know who is going to be killed. To have joy. This is the victory over death. This is life. 
So find something that brings you joy. Find something that brings the kingdom of God in your life. And it will never be something that you do for yourself. God is not selfish. Because this is God's work to do for you when you do for others. So don't do the work of God. Because you, don't, you are going to do that in a little scale, so it's not worth it. Believe me. Let God do his work in you and you do yours in the other lives. So find something that will bring you joy, righteousness, and peace. Will bring the kingdom of God where you are. You know, life is not about starving, surviving, struggling, but it's about running. And to run, you have to be standing and doing, being active. So find something that will make you bring the kingdom of God. You know, having a little faith just will take you to heaven. But having much faith will take heaven here. Heaven in you, heaven to you, the kingdom of God here. And you know, this is the time for the church. This is the time for the church to rise up and not see only inside of us and only see the, the, the storms and the waves. He can calm that in a moment, but you know when he's going to do that? When he will fulfill the reason that he have allowed them to come. So sooner you understand that, sooner the storms will finish and you will be able to bring that kingdom into other people's lives. And I want you to know this also. Everything that is happening from outside of you is not bigger, never bigger than what is invested in you. Nothing. Whatever it's that. Everything that will come against you from outside is not bigger than was what is inside of you. So when you know this, you know who you are, you know what you have, and you know what to do with what you have. And this is your time, my sisters. They have overcome the lamp. They have overcome devil through the blood of the lamp. And what? The word of their testimony. This is the time of the testimony of God over your life. So while we will worship God and we will pray together, I will first pray for the people that don't have the source of life in their lives. And if you are per a person today that you want to have Jesus in your life, this is the time. Tomorrow is not promised to anybody. If you say, I'm 20, I'm 25, I'm 30, nobody knows if there is a tomorrow. The past is gone. Whatever you have done in the past, it is gone. The only time you can do something is now. This is the day and this is the time. So if you want to have the source of life in your life, the time is now. 
Let us pray together. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you are here with your presence. You are here with your spirit. Thank you. Thank you that you have made us the crowd of life. Not just having life in ourselves, but having it abundantly, overflowing to flow to everyone that is around us, in our communities, our families, in our country. If you don't have Jesus in your life, can you repeat with me the invitation you are making to him now dear Jesus I thank you for what you have done in the cross for me I thank you that you gave my li your life for me I thank you that you died and rose again in the third day you are alive today. I want to welcome you as God in my heart and my life. Come Lord Jesus. Come and give me life. Come and resurrect in me everything that is dead. Be God and be Lord over my life. I pray in Jesus' name. going this morning if you are going in difficult situations if there is pain in your life pain of losing someone it was dear to you pain because of a disease you have pain of losing a relationship a job or whatever it is is here to heal your pain if you think that there is no hope please don't give up don't quit just stand because the source of life is giving life to everything that is there Father, I pray for my sisters. I pray that they will understand with a kingdom perspective their role 
into the big story of God. I thank you that you will open the eyes of their hearts and spirits and mind. And they will see that there is something bigger than them, greater, higher. And that they are a part of your plan in your picture. Give them strength to stand in every situation. Give them power, Holy Spirit. Come and fill our cups. Come and fill our cups. We want to go out of this place different. Different, stronger. Because it's not us that are strong, but it's the one that is in us that is stronger than anything we face. Come and fill us. Fill us with power, with strength, with your presence. work in us and work through us work in us and work through us we want to arise and shine church of God arise and shine because your time has come Jesus you have defeated death and we want to thank you that before defeating death you had to die you drank my cup you drank our cup and because you died you could defy you could defeat death and you defeated death that today we may speak out boldly and we can say oh death where is your sting we bless you Lord and we thank you for everything you have done Thank you in the mighty name of Jesus.